Um, when I was a boy, I was in Scouts. And when we went on Scout camps, we used to have a list of um, equipment and stuff you had to take with you. Uh, if you went on a scout camp, your parents would be given this great big list of all the things you had to take. Um, I can see one or two people nodding who can remember either being parents and sending stuff um, or who can remember being boys in the scout. In those days, it was only boys in scouts. Um, and one of the things that there was a certain amount of competition over in the scouts was torches. Um, when you first went to a scout camp, your mum would give you this feeble little torch that would probably light the ground about three or four feet in front of you. And you'd suddenly realise there was a hierarchy of torches um, and that you were at the bottom of it. Uh, and there was one particular model, I think it was the Ever Ready Solar 3000, which had a fantastic, it was a great big torch. It was about kind of, um, it's a bit difficult to show you the size, but it was pretty large. It was about nine, and 10 inches long, had a big handle on it. And you could shine a beam up into the sky and it would just seem to be endless. Um, and as you graduated through each year, you'd probably try and get a better torch because you didn't want to be the one whose torch couldn't even, you know, light up the, the thing six feet in front of you. Uh, and we're going to look at a passage today which talks about light. And one of the things that always struck me was that those of us who had the Ever Ready Solar 3000, which I did eventually graduate to, um, were able to light up things happening quite a long way away. And sometimes in the light of our torch, we would catch someone doing something they shouldn't have been doing. Uh, sometimes you're, t uh, and those of it, I eventually became a leader. Um, and one of your objectives as a leader was to shine your torch in places where people were doing things they shouldn't have been doing. Um, so, the passage we're going to look at made me think about that as I was preparing this week, that light shines in darkness and it highlights things that shouldn't be going on, but it also highlights things that should be going on. Uh, nowadays, the Ever Ready Solar 3000 probably would be a fairly pathetic torch. I can remember my father-in-law gave me a lamp a few years ago for Christmas that was a bit like a searchlight quite honestly you turn this thing on in the dark and it would practically blind you so times have moved on but I still remember that um, looking back we've for some time we've been looking at the book of Ephesians or the letter to the Ephesians on Sunday mornings uh, we've looked at it in a number of different ways. We, we, we've looked at the what I've called the sit, walk, stand paradigm. Those of you who are around in the 70s and early 80s will remember a book by Watchman Nee called Sit, Walk, Stand, where he worked through the book of Ephesians and argued that we needed first to be seated in heavenly places with Christ. And in the early part of Ephesians, it talks about being seated in heavenly places in Christ. The middle section, and actually the passage we're looking at today, talks a great deal about walking. Unfortunately, a lot of our translations um, translate that as live rather than walk, which is probably a way we think about things now. But the, the Greek word used is walk. In fact, in the bit we're going to read, the Greek uses the word walk twice, where modern translation uses the word live, uh, 
live. Yes. Uh, and then finally, it moves in chapter six to stand. Um, and Nee's argument was that we need first to be seated before we can walk and we need to be walking before we can stand. Uh, and one of the problems, I think, is that a lot of people try to go straight to chapter six and work out how to stand without having first there's something going on here that people are commenting on that I'm completely oblivious to. Um, but but the, there was this uh, idea that we can go straight to standing without seat, being seated and walking. So that's one of the paradigms we've looked at. Um, also, um, we, oh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought now. I'm getting distracted. Uh, I'm going to switch to speaker view so I can't see what else is going on here. Um, that's better. Uh, we also, as we go through it, the, the, Paul talks about how magnificent what Jesus has accomplished is. What all that God accomplished in Christ is incredible. And we move on from that to Paul talking about God's people and how we as the Gentiles have now been brought into the people of God. Um, and then he talks about the church and the body and how the body's to function before moving on to that um, bit at the end about the armour of God. And last week, Ed spoke about how we are new people. We're new people in Christ. Um, so we're now well into the walk section of the sit, walk, stand paradigm. So I'm going to read the passage. I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter five. Uh, and we're going to read verses 1 to 20. So on your screens now. It says this. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person's an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. This is why it's said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that's quite a passage in many ways. Um, I'm going to just try and cover it briefly today because um, you've, you've heard quite a lot of talking already this morning. But one of the th there are three things I get from it. But what I want to start with is this idea that actually the new self that we looked at last week is supposed to live differently. We're not supposed to just carry on as we always did. Being believers in Jesus, being people who are filled with the spirit of God actually is intended to make us people who live very differently from those around us. Uh, and Paul in this section, uh, and actually there was there were some bits that Ed, uh, for the sake of time, left out, like, no, not left out, but didn't cover in the in the end of chapter four last week. Um, so I'm starting halfway through a list in a sense here. But this passage starts with a therefore. And as you know, whenever you see the word therefore, what do you do? You look back to see what it's there for. And it's referring back to the previous chapter. Uh, and it's telling us that actually we are to, to live a life of love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us um, because of what's gone on in the previous chapter, because we are a new creation, because we are new people. And he actually then goes on in this section to talk about um, a number of things. First of all, things that should not even be named among us. Um, and in that list are quite a few things, sexual immorality, any kind of impurity, greed, because all of those are improper for God's people, and then obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And actually, Paul then makes a link. He says, no immoral, impure or greedy person. And a greedy person, he says, is an idolater. Greed, Paul twice says, actually, he says it in Colossians as well, in Colossians 3 verse 5, says that um, greed is idolatry. Now, it doesn't just mean greed for food. It means greed for any number of things. So actually, greed is a form of false worship, is what Paul's saying here. But all of these things, Paul says, shouldn't even be named among us. They shouldn't even be things that we consider doing, um, let alone get ourselves involved in. Now, what I do want to say here is that if we do fall in any way, there is always a way back. God always provides in Jesus a way back. But actually, the the, the the position of the church should be that these things aren't even named among us. Uh, and one of the problems within evangelicalism over my time as a Christian has been, in my view, I stress, um, has been that um, we've been more concerned with the appearance of whether these things are happening than with whether they're actually happening. So, so long as they don't appear to be happening, we've been quite happy. Um, actually we need to be honest and open with one another i've really appreciated during my time leading this church the way that some people have been scarily honest with me at times um and actually it's when we're honest that we find a way through on these things but these paul says are things that shouldn't even be named among us and he then goes on to talk about walking in light 
Uh, and as part of that process of walking in light, he talks about exposing darkness, um, which is what made me think about our torches back when I was a scout. And um, because the, some of these things are not supposed to be named, I won't tell you what sometimes our torch beams did illuminate. But he says that we were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord uh, and that we are to live as children of the light for the fruit of the light, he says, consists of all goodness, righteousness and truth, and that we are to find out what pleases the Lord. Um, I'm not saying when he says that we, in verse 11, that we should expose the deeds of darkness, that we should be going around um, loudly proclaiming people's sins from the rooftops. I don't think that's what Paul is referring to here. I, for many years of my working life, was an internal auditor. And one of the things that I used to have to do was to expose the deeds of darkness. Um, I used to go around actively looking for fraud um, and finding it more frequently than you'd like to. At one point, I worked for a well-known chain of freezer shops um, where we had one of the favourite tricks of some of our managers was to, to sell steaks to restaurants um, after hours and it was very easy to pick them up because what would happen was as the shop shut the burglar alarm would be set and what they didn't seem to realize was that we used to be able to see when the burglar alarm was set and when it was unset um, and we used to look for a place where the burglar alarm was set a few minutes later it was unset then quickly reset again and what that meant was the manager had gone in back in after everybody else had left whipped some steaks out of the fridge which he'd left by the door um, and then gone off and flogged them to a restaurant. And all we used to have to do was to wait outside the shop over the road, um, wait until he came out and then catch him in the act of selling the steaks to the restaurant. And I used to expose these sorts of deeds for a living at one time. Uh, I did it on a larger scale for building society as well, um, where we used to uncover some quite large frauds at, at one point. But Generally, our role is not to go proclaiming people's sins from the rooftops or actively looking for them, but actually to be people who expose things because we are light, not because we go shouting about, about them. We're actually supposed to be people who expose these things around us because of the way we behave, not because of our judgmental approach to those around us. Um, and I'm going to, I've nearly used my time, so I'm going to go on to the final thing, which talks about not just walking in light, but being light. Um, and in the final part of that passage we read, he talks about what it means to be, to be light. Um, he talks about being careful how we live, not as unwise, but as wise. Um, various things we don't do, like getting drunk, um, but also he talks about speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit. I don't think that necessarily means that every time we walk up to someone, we're supposed to sing them a Matt Redmond song um, or read a psalm out to them. But actually reading psalms, I, th uh, I know all three of us who've, or three of us who've spoken this morning, Caroline read the psalm to start with. I know that Jonathan reads psalms in his daily Bible reading. And I also read a psalm each day in my Bible reading. Actually, reading psalms and soaking ourselves in the psalms is a good thing to do. It actually does um, draw us near to God and it connects us to every 
situation in life, every emotion in life as we read the Psalms. We're also supposed to be people who always give thanks to God the Father for everything. Um, and some of us are finding that pretty difficult at the moment. Uh, it's pretty difficult to thank God for being cooped up day after day and every day feeling much the same. But actually, one of the things I know that I have been thanking God for these last few few months is what he's been doing within me during this time. It's exposed stuff in me that I've had to deal with. I've learned a great deal. Uh, and it's also in the church, I think, forced us to evaluate what is church? What does the church really mean? What does it mean to be the church? So this passage, um, I've actually overshot my time by two minutes. So just to summarise, this passage is, there are three things it talks about. It talks about things that should not even be named among us. And actually, I don't mean, don't think that means we should cover things up and not talk about them. But what it means is they shouldn't be things that we regularly find going on in the church. Um, he talks a bit about them. He talks about walking in the light, living lives day by day where we are walking in light where we are seeing where, where we're open and transparent about how we live um, uh, and also where we by our lives are highlighting some of the things that are wrong around us not by shouting and screaming about them or condemning people but by um, living lives that model something very differently and then finally that we're actually to be light that we are to be that beam that emanates from the light of God uh, and that we bring the presence of God, the light of God um, and the life of God into every situation in which we're involved. I'm going to leave it there uh, and hand back to Caroline.